If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is not Gene Roddenberry, but uh, if I was around, I would definitely be listening to Inglorious Trexperts, the new podcast from the people who brought you the 430 movie. Check it out, 430movie.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't already picked up the hardcover edition of the 50-Year Mission, it's time for you to go out and get the paperback version of the 50-Year Mission, which is just out in paperback from St. Martin's Press. This is the complete oral history of Star Trek, the first 25 years, from me and Ed Gross. And if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Trek, think again. The 50-Year Mission, out in paperback now. And if you can't read, the audiobook is still available. Electric Now? What does that mean? It means that you can watch us do these wonderful podcasts and so many other things, too. Hey, uh, Darren. Yes. When I was a kid, I used to love The Electric Company. You know why? Because I knew one day Morgan Freeman would be a great actor. But <laughs> if there's one thing I love about electricity that's even better than Schoolhouse Rock and The Electric Company, it's the Electric Now channel. But also, they're turning it on and bringing the power. Yes, they are. <laughs> and we're turning you on. And no, 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 no that's a highly inappropriate. All. Okay, well, we are turning on the power here at Electric Surge, where you may have, for the last year or so, been enjoying these amazing audio podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, Best Movies Never Made. Now you, you can watch You them. ain't seen nothing yet, no, but you now you can. Anything. You can <laughs> on Electric Now, available on Stir TV and Distro TV, which you can download from your favorite app store, and soon coming to the Electric Now app. Get to see us as you've never seen us before, <laughs> because you've only seen us in the theater of the imagination. Now we're going to be on your tablet, on your telephone, on your TV, and in your house. With <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. So make sure to check out Electric Now, streaming now on Stir TV and Distro TV, and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is More Movies We're Thankful For Week. Yes, it's that time of year again, Thanksgiving, when the turkey is cut, the mashed potatoes are served. I'm going to cut you, turkey. The wine is spilled, um, and people are celebrating Thanksgiving, the, the things that they are thankful for over the course of the last year. Um, and here to celebrate uh, and, 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 and the gratitude, celebrate the love, if you will, <laughs> is Mr. Stephen Melching. Save me some of that pumpkin pie. Darren Docterman. Yes, and let's not talk politics with our family members. <laughs> I was going to say I'm thankful for impeachment, but okay. Moving on. <laughs> this is Steve, we got Ashley E. Miller. Steve Ashley E. Miller. <laughs> Steve Ashley Miller. Miller. Steve Ashley. Ashley Edward Miller. <laughs> that would be me. Yes, indeed. And, of course, I'm Mark Allman. And we're here. Last year, I thought it was a really nice show. The things we are uh, thankful for. We talked about the movies that we're thankful for. Talked about things we're thankful for. We're thankful to have this wonderful show. It's great to be back on the 430 movie after our, our hiatus. Back here in the Electric Search Studios. Um, we're very grateful to uh, Dean Devlin for uh, uh, giving us a roof and a home and an electric. And, uh, <laughs> of course, our producer Marvelous Natalie and, and Bill Ritter, um, who has just uh, done such a wonderful job making the show sound sound great. Um, so, uh, if only the content were as good as the production value. Well, that's true. It does. It does. Uh, so, I want to ask: What do you remember? What your film was last year? Yeah. Well, yeah. The the film I picked last year was the original 1977 Star Wars. Um, not only because I just think it's a terrific movie. It was one that was very meaningful to me personally and, and professionally. Sure. That's a great, it's, it was a great pick then. It's a great pick now. It's a perennial. It's a great movie. <laughs> um, Darren Dockerman. I, th I believe Zach could uh, help me out with that. Is that uh, Galifianakis? Well, maybe no, he could. 
Our archivist. Zakarkovist. We're grateful to our archivist, Zach, I think mine, back there in the dark. I think mine Crying. was The Adventures of Robin Hood. It was. Yeah, I do believe it right. was. Because that is one I'm thankful for. And it's you were like, in and like and Flynn. And it, yeah, that's correct. And it's, you know, it's one that would often play during Thanksgiving mm-hmm. on television. Right. So. right. Uh, it, oh, it was, was it The Wizard of Oz? Of Oz? Oh, see, there, no, there we are. Would have been the Wizard of Oz. Thank too. you, Archivist Zach. I'm thankful for so many movies. Yeah. That's the thing. It's hard to pick, but yeah. uh, yes, I'm definitely thankful for Wizard of Oz as yeah. well, and that also played. We're on off television. to see Ashley Miller. What was your pick last uh, uh, year? My pick was The Wild Bunch right. because it prepared me for fatherhood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Mr. Mom. Um, nope. Okay, yeah, The Wild Bunch. It's funny because. I was thinking about the Wild Bunch for something, and I was like, "Oh yeah, we did that for Western Week." I didn't realize it was for right, movies. We were thankful for week. Um, Mr. Mom prepared me for Batman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I uh, I think Zach, if I'm correct, I think I picked North by Northwest, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Okay. All all great. It could have been good for planes, trains, and automobile week too. There you go. That's yeah. a great train movie. It sure is. Yeah, yeah. And a plane movie. And, and a plane movie. movie. They're in cars yeah. too. And they're in cars. That's true. And that giant, is the trifecta. And <laughs> giant, I should have picked it for planes, trains, noses. and automobiles. Yeah. And all right, on, on <laughs> federal monuments, <laughs> national parks. <laughs> it's monument week. <laughs> you can't decide between all the, the most noses. monumental week of all. <laughs> um, so those are those are all all, all great choices. Um, we talked about uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, everybody's Thanksgiving plans. What's your favorite food on Thanksgiving? What do you look forward to? Oh. You mentioned pumpkin pie. I like. I just like all the Thanksgiving food, mm-hmm. and that's where like my wife and I kind of differ because she's not into that food. But I no love, sweet potatoes for her. I love turkey and all the trimmings. I love the gravy. I love the mashed potatoes. I love the, you know, the rolls, the pumpkin pie. I love it all. I'm all pretty, half seconds. Will you? Sure. I'm pretty much in the same boat. I I love that same gravy and, boat. Thank you. And uh, you know, I I often, you know, when I'm uh, out to eat at like a diner. I will often get the open-faced turkey sandwich because mm. it is exactly like having Thanksgiving dinner. We should do great movies about Food Week with Diner. Mm. Food Week is, yeah, food week is a good idea. Raul, yeah, the, the cook, the, the witch, and her lover. What's other great food Eating week Raul. movies? Yeah. Oh, eating Raul. Yeah. Oh, Delicatessen. Return Silence of the, of the Lambs. Dead. Diner. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Oh, my God. Not exactly what I had in mind, but uh, it, it could work. It Texas could work. Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, oh my Alive. God. Yeah, chef. Alive. <laughs> John, oh God. John Favreau, chef. Alive is also a cannibal movie. holocaust. Jeez, oh, stop! This is going off the rails even oh, quicker boy. than I expected. Um, okay, so uh, so maybe we won't be doing food week anytime soon. Uh, I lost my appetite. Yeah. yeah. What, what about you, Ashley? What any Thanksgiving things you particularly are fond of? Traditions, food. Uh, getting drunk and storming out of the house. Wait, no. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I I love my turkey leg. I've got to have my turkey leg, man. Otherwise, it is not Thanksgiving. It's like, don't give me this ham thing. Step away with that. That's not Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Step away is with the turkey. ham. Step away with the ham. That's turkey Easter. leg. A big old drumstick, right? That you can then use as a melee weapon, right? <laughs> to fight your friends. Melee, melee. That's what melee. I thought. Melee. Have you ever fought your friends with a turkey drumstick? <laughs> No, but I could have if I wanted to. Are sure. there any vegetarians on the panel that, that don't, don't don't eat turkey? Let's look. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just asking. Okay. So uh, ah, I love the leftovers. So, you? you know, I love the. That's a good I love, movie. <laughs> yeah. I just like the the whole you know the whole season because I never you get that leftovers. nice you got that nice long weekend you know yeah. you, hopefully you have a nice long weekend yeah. to enjoy you can like spend it with friends you can go watch movies all the good movies are coming out yeah that's true Christmas isn't you know if you if you celebrate Christmas or you enjoy the trappings of Christmas or you like Die Hard or you like oh, Die Hard <laughs> yeah uh, the Christmas is in the air the decorations start going up the yeah. music it's, it's yeah. the unofficial beginning of Christmas yeah which is nice the Christmas season yeah. you don't have to celebrate Christmas to enjoy Christmas right. point I think I made last year it's like the lights and the presents and the the the, the, the colorful color the colors 
you know, colorful colors, colorful colors, colors and <laughs> and and uh, you know, it's a it's a Those great idea. Lights. Also, demarcation point for the end of another year, yeah. right? Which yeah. will hopefully hopefully be a good year for everybody. Yeah, it's I been agree. a good year for you guys. Yeah, right? it's been right. a great year. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 always nice, and then there's always the promise of next year being even better. Mm-hmm. So uh, so anyway, so let's talk movies we're thankful for. Steve Melching Monday. Yeah, what movie well, are you thankful for? Uh, you say The Empire Strikes Back, we're gonna have a problem. Each year, we'll know your answer. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, this is a show where we're, you know, on our, our regular shows, we're celebrating the movies that we love, uh, and it's a it's a positive show. And and this particular these episodes where we do the movies we're thankful for, I think these are the movies that are especially meaningful or or important to us uh, in some way. Mm-hmm. And last year, I picked one that was very important to my childhood, and this year I'm gonna with Star Wars, and this year I'm gonna pick one that didn't come out until I was an adult. I was in my early 30s when this movie came out. Um, but it's a movie I had been hoping for and anticipating and almost had given up hope that it would ever be made. Blade Runner 2049? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm picking uh, Peter Jackson's Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Oh, interesting Great. pick. Um, I, I was a fan of the books, the Tolkien books that I, I read when I was in middle school. And... Mm. Um, I was a big Dungeons and Dragons player. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was Thank a big D and D player. You know, back in the you know seventy nine, eighty, in the early eighties, sure. when D and D made its initial foray into pop culture. And uh, you know, during that period, there were sword and sorcery movies that came out from time to time. You know, Beastmaster. Beastmaster. You had your Conan. You had your Dragon Slayer. Um, you know, and and a lot of them weren't that good. Crawl, crawl, yeah. <laughs> um, but who the... can forget that timeless Thursday, Wednesday pick of Ashley? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lord of the Rings was one that was that proved elusive. Of course, there were the the Rankin Bass or you know the the animated versions, the the Hobbit Rankin Bass Hobbit, and then the right. Um, well, the, it was uh, it was oh gosh, Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi's uh, Lord of the Rings, not Rankin Bass. Uh, um, and oh. uh, you know, not uh, not a particularly. No, Rankin Bass did the Hobbit. The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Also, we yeah. did Return of the King. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, right. That's right. But they did not do Two Towers. Where there's yeah. a way. There's a way. Um, I wouldn't say anyone th- thought of those films as particularly successful adaptations of the Tolkien books. They were interesting. Um, but they were always, it was kind of this, you know, white whale of like, will anyone yes. ever be able to, to make the Lord yeah, of the Rings yeah, movies? Yeah. And I think for a time, George Lucas wanted to do it and kind of famously pivoted and made Willow instead, right. sort of That's his a big pivot. version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but because of various rights issues uh, involving the Tolkien estate and, and just the, the, the inability to mount such a you know a production, uh, you know, proved elusive until New Line Cinema and, and Peter Jackson was ultimately able to put it together. And and what I'm so thankful for is Jackson and his team seemed like the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. Technology was at a place where the the films could be realized successfully, mm-hmm. and I think that was kind of brilliant to shoot them in New Zealand which provided terrific locations for all the various places of Middle Earth that they had to travel to. And to be fair, lots of cheap non-union labor. Yes. And true. <laughs> true. And to be fair, they were all from New Zealand. Well, yes. <laughs> I, I have to say, you know, w- you know, also one other person who deserves credit, well, the two, and, you know, often, you know, we disparage executives and stuff, mm. but Bob Shea and Mark Ordesky were really instrumental to uh, the success of the movie. I mean, just, just from the fact that... Um, I, I think it was Bob Shea that said, aren't there three, three books? books? Why are you doing this? Why are you movies? doing it? Two yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Originally, it was going to be two yeah. films. And, and then Mar- Mark Ordesky was there in New Zealand right. and was also very instrumental through the whole process of working with Peter Jackson and sort of keeping on track and making sure they had the resources they right. needed to make the movie right. They really, they knew what they had, you know. And, and I was about to say, my very first job after I graduated from film school, I was Mark Ordesky's intern. Hmm. at New Line um, for a whole summer 
uh, summer of 1990, uh, I got a job as his intern, and we shared an office, a tiny little office the size of a big closet. Huh. And, uh, you know, I he was the story editor at New Line right. Cinema at the time and uh, kind of a junior executive. And I believe he was already friendly with Jackson at that point. I, I believe he had a Meet the Feebles poster in, his, in that mm. office. And I remember hearing stories that Jackson, when he visited L.A., slept on Ordesky's couch. I don't know if that's true, but uh, Mark lived like two blocks from New Line at the time. When that is true, by on, the way. It is true. It is true. I heard yeah. that recently and on good authority from one of Mark Ordesky's assistants. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Mark was an awesome dude, and it still is. I just saw him at Comic-Con this last summer, mm-hmm. um, and he's a great guy, and uh, I'm very pleased at his success and 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 I think thankful that he was instrumental at, at, as you say uh getting this film made and getting it made right and what I love about this is Fellowship of the Ring turned out so well that it was you know a handsomely produced big budgeted film with a prestige cast mm-hmm. that delivered a really satisfying film that connected with a mass audience and that enabled Jackson to not only complete the trilogy the way he wanted to, um, but also then go back into it and and do these extended editions that mm-hmm. came out on, on home video later and, and just really made this type of fantasy film mainstream mm-hmm. in a way it never was. And, and I think without these films, we certainly would have, wouldn't have had uh, the Game of Thrones series. That's and, true. And, 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 and with the star of the prophecy, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, that's, that's correct. correct. <laughs> that's correct. Um, I, that was true. I completely like just love that you picked this. Uh, you were you were present for part of my, my journey to introduce my 10-year-old, uh, my, my mm-hmm. introduce Caden. Uh, former panelist um, <laughs> to the Lord of the Rings films, um, and here's how I know they connected with him. Like, here's my proof positive, right? Because it's one thing to say, "Hey, man, you've seen all the movies now. What's your favorite?" I think he actually loves uh, Fellowship of the Ring best. <laughs> but I heard him the other night. I was working. <laughs> I heard him playing with his brothers in his room, right? <laughs> so it's my ten-year-old and my two three-year-olds, and I hear Caden go, "You shall not pass onto my bed." <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. So he's That's... like doing the Ian McKellen thing. So he really did dig That's those movies. Funny. So, and and these are movies that I like. Thanksgiving, they're kind of comfort food in a way. I mm. revisit these movies at, every year. I'll mm-hmm. like put on over a, a period of a week or two. I'll just usually put on one disc a night. Mm-hmm. Like so, half of you know part one of Fellowship one night, and then part two, the second disc, the second night, and then Two Towers and Two Towers part two. So it's like a giant mini series. Yeah, yeah. And it's just I just love spending time in that world, and um, and then the the special features on these video set on the Blu-ray are, are tremendous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, some of the best. Superb value-added content, you know, VAM, <laughs> right. ever produced for the medium, you know. And we know our friend Charlie DeLazarica has done some tremendous work on, you know, uh, whether it's Twin Peaks or, or Alien, and but these uh, Lord of the Rings sets are yeah, right Michael up there. Michael Pellerin and, and yeah. our friend Rob Burnett worked on them mm-hmm. as well and did a great job. You know, four audio commentary tracks per movie. That's right. the funny thing. Whenever I start to watch these things, I tend not to watch the movie itself because I, mm. I know it so well. I like listening to one commentary track after another yeah. and watching the same movie like four times in a row mm. with a different that. commentary. And you really feel like you're going on a journey with, you feel like you get to know Especially people. when you're hearing Richard Taylor talk about <laughs> all of the, um, the various uh, chain mail being made <laughs> by hand by three <laughs> New Zealanders. It's very inspiring. Making now these wage. are for film one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should actually do one day on 430 Movie? Uh, a week of great commentary tracks. Oh, oh that's yeah. a great idea. I think we should do, uh, you know, and we do commentary. It's commentary week. Right. And Special report. We do, uh, and dysentery. Uh, but we, yeah, yeah, movies just for their commentary. Yeah, just yeah. for their yeah. commentaries. And we can just do a week full of uh, great commentaries. But if you haven't listened to the commentary tracks on these They're sets, great. yeah, do yourself a favor. I mean, there's one track that's Peter Jackson and, and Fran Walsh and Philip Aboyans. Right. And there's a second one that's the, the main cast. Right? right. And then there's a third one that's... Some of the art, Richard Taylor. That's Richard and... Taylor, and uh, I think it might be just Richard Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fourth one are uh, uh, producers. Right. 
and they're all fascinating. Barry Osborne, I think. And and when you listen to all those commentary tracks and then watch the documentaries, which there's like what uh, three or four hours worth of documentary at least on yeah, each least. for each movie. You know, yeah. by the end of it, you almost feel like you're part of the crew, right? And it's just a really fun feeling. You know, it's really fascinating. And uh, yeah, so you know that's. Great. It's that, a great you know, pick. I, and I just love someone who, you know, grew up playing D&D when that kind of stuff was stigmatized to now live in an era where that stuff is celebrated and is sort of normalized, you know, <laughs> back Return in the, of the King one best it, uh, yeah, this picture. Yeah, I mean, all three of them were nominated for best picture and a slew of awards and Return of the King I think won 11 yeah. Oscars, which I think tied for the most Oscars won by a single mm-hmm. film if I'm not mistaken or d- d- damn close to it. Um but, you know, to go from a time when this kind of material was either laughed at or frowned upon at best or, you know, linked with satanic worship <laughs> at worst, you know, to a time when it's totally normal mm. is, you know, it's really great. Well, it so, also happened at exactly the, the right time because it, 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 I mean, it's almost the moment that a film like that became producible Yes, mm-hmm. they figured out how to produce it, and and probably mm-hmm. also advanced the state of the art in terms of Absolutely. producing movies like that. But uh, it's such an amazing um, combination of physical effects and computer effects, um, you know, and bigotches. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> oh and directed God. by a Hobbit himself, right. Right. Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson the yeah. barefoot yeah. director. God yeah. bless him. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it look. It's a great trilogy of films, and. Um, Certainly, you know, perfect for Thanksgiving. You know, as you say, it's something you watch over a long weekend. You can watch the whole thing, and and uh, it's the kind of thing if we were younger that they would show over Thanksgiving yeah, yeah, weekend right. on TV. So um, that's a, a really fun fun choice, uh, and 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 for for a whole generation. It was their Star Wars. The way yeah. Star Wars is our sure. Star Wars, uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings is their Star Wars. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I know people who are younger than us who just worship those movies. I actually respect them and like them. I, hmm. I'm not, like, obsessed by them um, like I am about Star Wars. So, uh, but I think it's very interesting. Well, and I also love the way they were able to shoot them all together, more mm-hmm. or less. You know, more so you less, could yeah. produce the entire trilogy with the same cast and, mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, obviously they went back for lengthy periods of additional photography. A substantial but, amount of yeah. pickups and reshoots, but that's great because they knew what they needed. Yeah. You know, they knew what they needed to make them work. Um, Tuesday, Darren, what are you thankful for? You know, I'm going to pick something that is uh, very uh, unknown. At least I think so. Um, but when it first came out, I saw it, and I was floored by it, by its um, its gentleness, its kindness, its sweetness. I know everyone's trying to guess what it is. Extra. We, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's The Exorcist. No. Uh. Um, it This came out in uh, 1986. 1986. And it's the follow-up film... Uh, by the uh, director of uh, The Last Starfighter. I didn't know he did another Me film. Me neither. Jonathan he, Beadle? He, no, 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 that's no, no. the writer. Oh, that's the writer. This is Nick Castle. Nick Castle. Oh, the the boy who flew the boy who uh, could fly. The wall, wall or something, yeah. The boy who could fly. There's no walls. <laughs> no walls in it. It is such a sweet and and sort of uncommon movie. Mm. Um, and I just watched it a, a couple weeks ago. Because uh, I saw it show up in, uh, I think it was Amazon streaming, and I said, "Oh, well, let me watch this again." And it is so beautiful, and uh, the cast is uh, is is great. Uh, the the young actress who's in it, who's since given up acting and became a lawyer, uh, is um, uh, I had it here for a second. It's uh, Lucy Deacons. Who is Roger Deakins' daughter? Oh, really? Oh, oh that's um, interesting. And she's absolutely uh, wonderful in it, and you just fall in love with her. Um, she befriends this uh, other character named Eric, who is played by Jay Underwood, who uh, also played the Human Torch in the yeah, uh, Roger, Roger Corman, Corman yeah. uh, uh, Fantastic Four. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else again. Well, um, <laughs> well, after that. You know, it wasn't his fault. No. But um, he's he's uh, he's pretty darn good in this because he doesn't really speak 
during the movie because he plays sort of an, an autistic kid who uh, may or may not fly. We find out uh, at the end whether or not he does or not. But, um, but does he fly through walls? Well, you'll have to watch the movie. Okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a, a great uh, guest starring turn by Fred Gwynn as uh, the kid's uncle. Mm. Um, and uh, Bonnie Bedelia plays her mother. And uh, little Fred Savage, I think, in his first role as the little brother, um, who's absolutely great, and he has a great sort of secondary story of a kid trying to uh, make it in this new neighborhood that they're in. Um, but it's really sweet. It has an amazing score by Bruce Broughton. Um, Who scored? It's, oh, he didn't score it last time. That was Craig Saffin. That was yeah, Craig yeah, Saffin, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, an amazing score, beautiful melodies. And um, actually, if anyone went to the... Uh, El Capitan Theater. I don't know if they still have that sort of opening sparkly drape thing uh, at the beginning of they their show. They didn't shows. the last time I was there. Um, but they used to have this big sort of rousing uh, overture. Uh, overture that is from that movie. Uh, oh, that, oh, that is from that movie. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, it's it's really great. And But, you know, if you have a chance, look it up. It is a beautiful, sweet little movie that I don't really hear about anymore. Well, I have an embarrassing admission to make. I've never seen the movie. I've read about it in Cinefantastic, oh. but I never well, saw it. because you thought he flew through walls. I did. I just didn't <laughs> seem that captivating to me. You I, were against it because of the walls. I didn't want him to now, hurt himself when he went no through walls. the wall. Yeah, exactly. No walls, no walls. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't see it. I remember the articles, and I remember you know Nick Castle Jr. follow-up to mm-hmm. Last Starfighter. I don't know why I never saw it, but I'm intrigued, and now I want to see it. Well, so there you go. There you, this is the purpose right. of the show, isn't it? I didn't see it either, but I see. I did remember watching like the Siskel and Ebert review, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because at that time, um, Jay Underwood and I looked almost identical, mm. uh, and I I got stopped several times, and and was mistaken Are for you this the guy from that movie. Yeah. Can you fly? Yeah, yeah. Through Luck- walls? Luckily, no one forced me to show them. <laughs> yeah, uh, but three, yeah. Can you, Can you fly, fly through Bobby? Walls? Can it fly, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Luckily, no one, uh, no one challenged me on it, so that's good. Well, that, that's that a that see, that's a great pick. That's a deep cut, and yeah. and, and, and hopefully, I figured it was one that no one else would pick. Yeah, yeah. and you would be right. <laughs> um, really great. No, it was another great pick uh, from Darren. Uh, what about you, Ashley? We're ready for well, Ashley's pick. Wait, steal your set. Wait, you know what? I need my Arbon shields. I gotta pour myself. Uh, I gotta pour myself a drink here before Ashley tells us <laughs> what he's gonna pick. So I steal myself. And, uh, you know, we're doing a new thing here on the show where we're actually using mugs so we don't... So we don't crinkle the So bottles. we don't crinkle so and make a lot number. of noises. So it, it'll Stop improve it your listening experience yeah. while you're listening to this show. So if you'll forgive me while I have my Oops. water, so I don't want to interrupt the show. His, his water. His water. Okay. So that was Gotta the take sound my medicine. because I'm going to put it in the cup. <laughs> so I don't, needs I don't want to interrupt and disturb <laughs> the helper. show. So just stay, bear with me a second because Ashley is going to give us his pick in just a second. <coughs> stay tuned for <laughs> Ashley e. Miller's pick right after this. Oh, <coughs> my God, goodness. the humanity. He's loading up for a spit take, I think, is what <laughs> this is about. Oh, I almost did. <laughs> Hold on. I'm dying here. Well, tell us a little more about the boy who can fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't have a drinking problem. Okay, just, <laughs> this is actually uh, Arbon, which is um, uh, a pomegranate fizzy. Uh huh. And it's very healthy. It has are, they, green tea. are they paying for this ad? I'm not paying for it. Okay. I'm just paying. Maybe they should. Nobody's for paying it. for it. It's a wonderful. It gets me through the day. I'm glad. It's filled filled with um, filled with wondrous tea wondrous things. And so Ashley, okay. So I'm now I'm, wait, 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 wait. I'm not I got to pour it in the mug now, so I don't make there's, noise. There's Hold a process. On. There's a process here. You know, next time just crinkle the bottle. No, no. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this let's is gripping now, podcasting. Now, <laughs> just nobody. Now it's it's now now do. now we can wait. Hold on. There's now you may drink. One okay. cup. He's icing the kicker is what's happening. <laughs> I'm ready. I, I, now, I now have my drink in the mug, and I'm ready to continue the He's show. He's deflating the ball. <laughs> so, Ashley Miller, we're ready. Wednesday. Wednesday. He's Wednesday. forgotten. No, I haven't <laughs> forgotten. Um, so, we uh, there's a there was a little bit of foreshadowing when we were talking about the, the boy who could fly. Through walls. Through walls. Can you fly, Bobby? Ah. Oh. My pick 
for movies that we're thankful for, that I personally am thankful for, is I believe it is 1987's RoboCop. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Keeping um, you safe in Detroit. Keep, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, it, part man, part machine, all, all cop. cop. So here's my journey with this movie, and I'll, and it'll kind of lead to why I'm thankful for it. So I have two memories that stick out about it before actually seeing it. The first was seeing the uh, the standee in the um, in the movie theaters well before it came out. Oh, when you finished laughing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It looked ridiculous. Like, yes. What the hell is RoboCop? Yeah. Right? So then Worst, I started- Worst, best title ever. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> I started to see this. The other thing, I started to see these articles about it and started reading about it. And the thing that jumped out at me was how it was fighting a, an X rating. Right. right. This is before NC-17. It was fighting an X rating because of the level of violence. And I was reading about some of the scenes and how violent they were and how you know, Paul Verhoeven had cut like you know four minutes from it, but it was still incredibly violent. It's rated R, but it's really like this hard R. But but just the but the degree to which the violence was described and the kinds of things that were happening. I actually was a, I was quite a sensitive kid, uh, and I had a hard time um, kind of processing screen violence. It, it worried me a lot. It bothered me a lot, and which is, I know you guys are thinking, holy shit, it's like you're Mr. Come in here and talk about horror and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all this bullshit, it, which is true, um, but I had to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and going to see RoboCop, I was fascinated by it because it sounded like once the reviews started coming out, like it sounded so great, but I was afraid of it. Like I didn't know if I was going to be able to handle the violence at all. Um, so when I went to see it, I was, you know, I was anxious and I was afraid because I didn't know how I was going to react. Um, and the, uh, you know, the the infamous scene where Clarence Boddicker, the great Kurtwood Smith, uh, and his gang um, just absolutely brutalize. Peter Weller. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it is seared into my brain. Very uncomfortable to watch. Very, I mean, just sort of sad and upsetting. Um, you know, you empathize with him. Verhoeven is such a great director because he can make this great satire that at the same time, everybody feels so human and grounded and vulnerable. Well, as he said, before the resurrection, you need the, the you, you, you need the crucifixion. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's what we got, yeah. and it and it wasn't pleasant at all. It wasn't like you know an action movie beat. It wasn't any of that. No. It was just you sat. It was there. ugly. Yes, it was very ugly, and you sat there inside the suffering of it. Um, and then there was other. Th- obviously, there were other moments in the movie that were incredibly violent. There's Ed two hundred nine like blowing away the dude inside right. of the <laughs> office. There's you know what's his name who uh, who gets covered in toxic waste and he's falling apart. Right. And he like gets hit by the SUX, you know, nine thousand, and he just flies into pieces. I mean, it's an incredibly violent film. But here's what I learned from it: um, number one, uh, that mastery of tone is kind of everything, mm-hmm. right? Because the brilliance of that movie is that Verhoeven made the violence. He didn't make the violence okay, but he put the violence into a context that somehow felt like it was both it's hyper real, real. It was hyper real. Right. Exactly. In a way that I could totally process it, right. but not dismiss it. Mm. Right. Right. Which is a tough trick. It's it's the same difference between the news reports and actual news. That's exactly right. <laughs> the news reports are more comic book. Right. And so it's the same distance between those and the violence. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's and he, you know, he also managed to create this very internal character, you know, by having Peter Weller who is essentially covered in, you know, he's prosthetic and yeah. suit yeah, and all this yeah. and you never really see his face and he's just and he gives such an amazing performance. The other thing that I learned is you know, it's never judge a book by its cover. But Movies can surprise us, right? Like nothing, I think, surprised me the way that RoboCop surprised mm. me, simply based on that stupid standee right. that, like, <laughs> that that movie could exist and live inside of that space, and that right. it was all kind of done with this malice of forethought. Like, I mean, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't like for Hoban. I think I'm just going to call it RoboCop, no. and nobody bothered to tell him that no. was a terrible title. <laughs> the key is, yes, it's goofy. We know. Right. And then it's we're going to dare you to walk out of this feeling, you know, that it is a piffle, that it's a trifle, um, which it isn't. Uh, It has like some of my very favorite lines of dialogue of all time, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it just uh, all the great performances by everyone. Dick, you're (laughs) fired. (laughs) Right. I mean, come on. 
guns, guns, guns. <laughs> I mean, there is there. I don't think there's a frame of that movie that I don't love. And mm. then, of course, it was followed by kind an of an awful sequel, and, yeah. and then the yeah. remake and. Yeah. Well, RoboCop three by Fred Decker. Yeah, and God bless Fred Decker, yeah, man. Taking that on, that was yeah. after RoboCop two. Frank Miller wrote that. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, dark, dark. And they had no money. Yeah, but I'll tell you, it's interesting. I mean, I think I've told the story before, but um, at the time that RoboCop was coming out, um, I was doing as a teenager. I was doing a science fiction magazine, and we were trying to get Superman four for the cover. And they offered us Mark Pillow, Nuclear Man. Right. <laughs> and we're like, no, we want uh, Rosenthal and Connor, who, who wrote the script, and Sidney Fury, who directed, and, and Christopher Reeve, and you know, all these people. And, and Warner Brothers was not being very cooperative. Meanwhile, Orion was chasing us to put Robocop on the cover. Right. And we're like, Robocop? What? No. Stupid <laughs> Robo. What? This is they should just come see the movie and then make a decision. And it's like, and we're like, oh, we'll go see this dopey movie, right. Robo. It's a cop, robot who's a police officer. Robot cop. It sounds like some yeah. dumb, you know, Holmes and Yo-Yo or John Shuck <laughs> thing. And so uh, we go and go, it, went to it go. It sounds see, like a full moon movie. It sounds yeah. like a full moon movie. So we go to see the movie at the Orion screening room. And it was like, oh, my God, this is the cover. And it was yeah. like, and we had it before it came out because we knew when it came out, everyone was going to have the same reaction. Like, right. oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, the social satire. And, of course, I was a fan of Paul Verhoeven from movies like The Fourth Man and Spetters. Sure. And, but, but it was like, and it just blew us away. I mean, so good and so smart. And, you know, all the newscasts and, you know, particularly in the 80s, you know, the Reagan revolution, it was all about corporations and money and Wall Street and, you know, and, and so it really was such a, a smart satirical takedown of, you know, the a decade of excess and um, it just brilliantly done. And, uh, you know, obviously a high crime and um, it's funny, I mean, Detroit, what was it shot in, in Texas, actually, they shot yeah, in right. Dallas, I think, but... Um, it's just such a great movie with such great performances. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can you get past the title or not? You know, a lot of people yeah. probably can't get past the title and realize, you know, uh, there's this wonderful uh, candy filling. Right. Um, and it's it's great. I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah, I had kind of this, the same uh, experience, too, because watching this movie unfold in real, real time back in 1987 mm-hmm. was a very different experience because we had no idea what to expect. Of it, and I, no trailers. No, I, I saw. It, I think I I went to a like a free screening of it in Colorado Springs, like one of those audience awareness screenings that mm. somehow I got tickets to, and uh, I had the same reaction that I think everyone had. RoboCop, give me a break! That sounds mm. ridiculous. And I was home for summer break after my first year at USC Film School, so I was a young film school punk. You know, <laughs> I had been watching all the important films of film history, so I was a little bit of a snob. Uh, at that time, and and I went into the movie, and I liked it, but I think I hated myself for liking it, so I didn't want to admit it for a while. I I think I walked out of that movie going, ah, that was stupid. That was so over the top. Give me a break. And, like, that satire is so obvious. Give me a please. (laughs) And I I just kind of resisted it for a few years. And then a few years later, I I relaxed and saw it again and thought, oh, my God, this movie's awesome. (laughs) And Miguel Ferrer, has there ever been a more smarmy, corporate climber? Ronnie Cox. Oh, Ronnie Cox yep. is so great. Um, you know the uh, back on the the Peter Weller thing. You know, there's um, a scene at the heart of that movie that I think is what sets it apart and actually is what makes it great. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's uh, when his memories are starting to to come back. When he is like understanding who and what he was, mm-hmm. and he goes to his home. He's and he walking finds through it his house. Empty. He's yeah. walking through his house, and he's just it's, seeing everything. And it just it's it, gut wrenching. It, it yeah. is. It yep. crushes you. It crushes you. It is. It is such a perfect moment. Um, I uh, I had a few years ago a conversation with an executive who shall remain nameless. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know if it's still associated with the studio, and it might have been a producer. But we were talking about potentially doing the the remake, and the conversation went something like this: um, Well, you know, the 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 first movie doesn't really hold up. I mean, you don't want to do any of that stuff with him, like kind of walking around in his house and all that. And I was like. Well, thank you for the the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> you've you've yeah. just completely yeah. missed the entire point of the film. I'm out. Thank you. Thank you. I'm out. But no, I, I'm I'm also look. I one of the other things I'm thankful for about this movie is that um, by having the experience of kind of facing my my fear of the content, I actually in the process of watching the film learned how to process that content mm. mm-hmm. um, and deal with it. Uh, so I don't I don't. 
I can and and Steve can certainly attest to this. I, I don't really demonstrate any any fear of kind of on screen violence anymore. Um, or in fact, now you crave. Now it. I crave it. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a total like I just love all that stuff. I'm a sadist. No, I mean I um it it opened up the toolbox a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and sort of showed me oh this is how it's done, and I can be okay with it. Yeah, and the remake is misguided in every so way possible. Good. You know, yeah. don't don't understand the lessons of that movie at, at all. I mean, Verhoeven was such a force. Uh, in the uh, in the eighties and the early nineties, well, I mean, w- w- another thing for a movie that's so sort of you could argue is so sort of cynical, it mm-hmm. also wears its heart on its sleeve. It it's totally earnest about what it is. Right. You yeah. know, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not trying to be. It's not trying to be clever. It's like, you know, I, I, it's it's just, it just all is. there. Yeah. You know, well, the, I love the hyper reality of of the satire or the violence or the. Mm-hmm. You know. I love that you know Verhoeven had the same response to us when he got the script. He said RoboCop, you know, and he's like, oh, "Why are they sending this to me?" And he reads the new Meyer script, and you know, and he he realizes this is something special. He immediately got it, but it's like he had the same reaction we right. all did. It's amazing they never changed the title. <laughs> I think they tried a couple times, and they just realized, you know nope. what? This is the title. It is. Yeah. It own is. it. <laughs> I think it also spawned one of my favorite bootleg toys. <laughs> you see that picture of Robert Cop. Oh my God! <laughs> it's like this cheesy like, Chinese knockoff oh Robert Cop. <laughs> uh, how about the uh, Basil Polidori score? Oh, it's great! Oh yeah. Yeah. it's great. It's so great. And then it was totally ruined in the sequel. By Leonard Rosenman. Oh my him God! That's Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Robo. <laughs> but yeah, that Basil Polidori score is 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 really really great. Um, he 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 was definitely like the guy from muscular eighties. I mean, you look at Red Dawn, Conan. I mean, Starship Troopers later yeah. on. I mean, he just could nail that kind of you know you know testosterone kind of <laughs> action. Um, but with an edge, it was it was so great. He was so great. He died young. It's a shame. But he was so talented. It's true. And I, yeah. I remember uh, the uh, is it Rocco Joffrey, the Matt mm-hmm. Matt Painter, uh, Star, came... Star City. What was it? No, it was a uh, what was it? The city Agro City? No, uh... Delta City. Delta, Delta City. City. Delta City. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he came to USC as to visit our USC Special Effects Club mm. and brought some of those matte paintings with him and. I know one of the paintings hung in the administrator's office for years afterwards. One of the OCP uh, establishing oh, shot uh, map paintings. One of them is uh, owned by a friend of ours. Oh, there you go. But uh, yeah, beautiful work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cool. and it's uh, it was production designed by a dear friend of mine, uh, Bill Sandell, who I worked for years later. Um, but uh, his stories about how they basically threw that together uh, on a wing and a prayer. Are, are fascinating. It's not an expensive movie yeah, at all. Kind of low no, it's it's really done on the on the on the cheaper side, but mm-hmm. uh, it's extremely I mean, for for all that. It has a definite look, and mm-hmm. just the mere the mere idea of painting the cars flat, right? And and There's we have them. Tourists. We have them today. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's yeah. Th- this little thing that really gives you a future look. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's just a Ford Taurus off yeah. the assembly line that yep. they painted flat black. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a great movie and a great pick for you. Good Wednesday. Which yeah. bring, Good Wednesday. <laughs> Not to be confused with Good Friday. Nothing says so. Thanksgiving like RoboCop. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so that brings us to Thursday, which might mean it's the time for me to have another sip of my Arbonne <laughs> pomegranate fizzy. <laughs> because uh, I'm stalling now because, of course... I have no idea what I'm thankful for. Um, because last year I picked North by Northwest, which was such a seminal film for me. Are um, you still thankful for it? I'm very thankful for it. Maybe I'm thankful for it again. Um, <laughs> and I'm looking, you know, there are a couple of films that I've picked in the past and I'm, I'm loath that have shown up on the show. You know, on this 40th anniversary Star Trek The Motion Picture, but we picked that for In the Shadow of Star Trek Week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a movie that basically saved the Star Trek franchise you know, Star Trek... Well, it, it created it. It created the Star Trek franchise, yeah. I mean, 10 years after Star Trek went off the air, Star Trek came back to movie theaters on December 7th, 1979, and uh, regardless of what people think about it, it was uh, a hugely successful uh, financially, um, and, 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 and most of us would say artistically as well, and, it, you know, it, it proved Star Trek was more than just a little TV show. 
So, I mean, that was, I'm definitely thankful for Star Trek Motion Picture, I'll tell you that. I mean, I, and then I think for Can't Stop the Music Week, did I pick Singing in the Rain, Zach? Did I ever pick Singing in the Rain? Really? Oh, huh. oh well, I know I picked Casablanca, so I can't can't do that. I definitely thought about Manhattan because, of course, being from New York, I feel it's this amazing love letter to New York, um, and just beautiful black and white film shot by Gordy Willis. But I think what would I'm... be the Dear John letter to New York? Cruising. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that. Um, I, I, you know, I think, I think, I think I'm going to have to, go, well, oh man, you know, when we did Gangster Week, we didn't do The Godfather, did we? No. Because we said we'd save it for Francis Ford Coppola Week, which we never did. I have to go with The Godfather. Uh, all right. The, all God, right. the Godfather, The Godfather, well, oh, man, there's also the 1946 The Big Sleep which I love, oh. written you're, by Leigh Brackett, who wrote Empire Strikes Back, one of the great pairings. But you're more, of, thankful, you're more thankful for The Godfather. Than The Big Sleep? I don't know about that. The Big Sleep is some of the greatest dialogue ever written for the screen. But I'm going to go with The Godfather. I'm going to go okay. with The Godfather. I'll tell you why. A little meat and potatoes. Because you believe in America. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because I believe in America. Um, you know, I knew it was you, Darren. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, That's from two. Yeah, that's right. God, you got me on that one. Son of a... So anyway, the point being, The Godfather is great because Godfather combines what we love about art films with what we love of popcorn films. It's mm. both. It, it, it combines peanut butter and chocolate into one <laughs> delicious mix because The Godfather is shot like an art film. Yeah. Uh, 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 it's a period piece, um, it, it, but yet it, it's a pot boiler. You know, right. and it's a family saga, but it has, you know, I mean, all the things you expect in a popcorn movie. I mean, you know, and, and just these brilliant performances, whether it's Marlon Brando or certainly Al Pacino, mm -hmm. James Caan, I, I, you know, everyone is just so good in that movie. But it's this expansive tapestry. The funny thing about The Godfather is never had never seen it in a movie theater, had no interest in it for a long time. Um, I think as a kid, I may have watched the um, novel for television. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. You know, when they aired Godfather 1 and 2 cut into Sequential. chronological yeah, order yeah. and it aired on NBC, uh, like the in the mid... Right? Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I remember thinking, oh, this is cool. I, I never saw it again until it came out on video cassette mm. in college and it was like a two, two, because it didn't fit on one mm -hmm. tape and watched it and I was like, oh my God, this movie is amazing. And then, of course, I was fortunate enough to see um, in a theater and it was just like so I was late to the Godfather party yeah. and then became utterly fascinated with it and I think part of that also was in you know Kids Days in the Picture came out sure. and Robert Evans you know the whole myth of the Godfather and then you know the, you know all the legendary fights between Robert Evans and Francis Ford Coppola and, and, and you know Francis just holding his great you know just it's, it's such an amazing story how the Godfather was made and um you know, all the, the the bad choices that Coppola avoided, you know, them not, well, does it have to be Italian? Right. You know, could, we got to have a star play Michael. Can we set uh, it in modern times? Yeah, can we say, does it have to be contemporary? Right. right. And um, it's just them having to get the permission of the mob to depict the mob. It's, a, it's, uh, a, it's <laughs> amazing. I mean, the, the behind the scenes is at least as interesting as what happens yeah. in the film. And, uh, and I have to say that... Um, it's a movie that, you know, it, 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 we've talked about this, the um, the TV test. You know, if it's mm -hmm. on TV, uh, can yeah. you change the channel? Like if you're channel surfing, you come, can you then move past it? No, I've never, I've never <laughs> been channel surfing and like came across The Godfather and able to change the channel. To this date, I've never been able to switch off it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like um, it is one of the great movies of all time. I have very much the relationship with Godfather Two that I have between Star Wars and Empire, where I I worship uh, uh, the you know um, Empire Strikes Back, but I probably Star Wars is still my movie, mm -hmm. and it's the same thing. I think Godfather Two is a masterpiece, but Godfather is still the one. Mm. Um, and uh, I just you know I, I'm very thankful that a movie like this exists because uh, it's 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 uh, it's just and. It's just a remarkable film, and of course, you know, uh, 
uh, also Gordy Willis, who later in 1979 shot Manhattan, yeah. shot Annie mm-hmm. Hall in 77. Um, I mean, Stardust Memories in 1980. I mean, just uh, amazing, amazing cinematographer. And uh, the look that he brings to Godfather 1 and 2 is astounding. And to hear Coppola tell it, they were at each other's throats during the first movie. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Coppola even thought he was lighting it too dark. I mean, yeah. they called him the uh, Prince of Darkness Prince because of darkness. everything he lit, so, everything's so dark. Um, um, the, 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 you know, I'm not going to say the new D, the Blu-rays because they're not new. They're a few years old. But they look gorgeous. I, oh, yeah. I can't wait for the 4K oh, HDR. Man, neither can of I. Them. And apparently this was done a while ago, and I don't know what. Are they waiting for an anniversary or what? Because uh, apparently there's a gorgeous 4K transfer of The Godfather, which is waiting for it to come right, out. Right. And it's been, you know, you know, a while that Paramount has this, and I'm just hoping it will be out soon because yeah, I can't too. wait for yeah. that. Because when I did see the... Um, yeah, the restored print theaters. I mean, it just looked amazing. Gorgeous. It's, it's a it's a gorgeous it, film, and and the fact that that it conveys the feeling of the '40s by just how things look. I mean, even even the color temperature of the film yes, itself, yes, looks like you're watch you're looking at old photographs, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's um, a technically a wonderful film and artistically a wonderful film and this is even beyond the amazing performances in it um it's just it's glorious and i'm i'm a little different than you i i like two a little better Mm. a little more um but very little (laughs) yeah i mean they're both amazing films and apparently you know you've heard that uh, francis for coppola recut recently a cotton club that uh, Mm. the rumors that he's going to recut uh, Godfather 3, which is really exciting mm. because that was a movie much like Star Trek The Motion Picture. They're going to put a digital Roger, uh, Robert Duvall in it? <laughs> <laughs> to replace George Harrison? Yeah. yeah much, much like, not George Harrison. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know who I'm talking They're about. They're going to cut a lot uh, of V'ger but, shots out of it. But, <laughs> no, but much like Star Trek The Motion Picture 10 years before, which was rushed in the theaters yeah. to make a release date, it was the same thing that happened with Godfather right. 3. They had to make a release date and he really didn't have the time to finesse it the way he should have and could have. Um, and it'll be, you know, really exciting to see what he's able to do with that movie. I'd love um, to see that. You know, but even with Sofia Coppola. Such an audacious movie. I mean, can you imagine a movie like that opening today with like a 20-minute wedding sequence? No. You know, it would, if it was made today, it would start off with some kind of with a hit. Or, yeah, yeah, and, totally. Yeah, yep. action. Don Corleone, I'm honored to be here at the yeah. marriage of your first daughter. I mean, I, I think I had a similar journey to you, Mark, uh, seeing this movie. I, I'm I'm sure I saw the novel for television first, mm. and then the the VHS, and then um, when I was in film school, I, I would get the master screening schedule for all the classes that mm-hmm. they would show, and and I would highlight the ones that I would want to try to see. And uh, one class was showing The Godfather and The Godfather Two mm-hmm. so in the in the big Norris Theater, right. and we were sitting in the back and watching both of those and consecutive weeks on the big screen for the first time that's great i i i'm torn though i love i'm kind of in your boat i i I think i godfather 2 is so great i love the structure of it i love that intercutting yeah uh, the past and the yeah you know the the, the present quote-unquote it's audacious yeah i love it but the first one is the first one yeah yeah Yeah. plus honestly i i'm not the gigantic godfather fan like like you guys are. I mean, I look. I love The Godfather. Make no mistake. I I don't know that I would put myself in your your class or how much you love it. But I will say what I love most about The Godfather is I love Michael's arc. Mm-hmm. To me, like that is the thing that's most interesting, and it's the most interesting thing in both movies. It was an abortion, Michael. An <laughs> abortion again. Two. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. You seem to quote a He's lot a movie the... that you like. Secondly, <laughs> I know it was in his. Uh... <laughs> it was he was just saying the arc of Michael uh-huh, through yeah. the three films. Yeah, I heard him. Yeah, um, but uh, no, trying I, to get out, but they pull <laughs> me back in. Wait, that's the thing. So, like, just the um, going from being like you know the the good son who just who doesn't want to be a part of this, mm-hmm. you know, to somebody who is just so uh, so steeped in it, you know, lying to his that's wife family, at the Kate. end that's of the film. Me. Spoiler alert. Yeah. You know, and you just go, oh my god, it, it's that's just one by the, the way. You damn right it is. The character's <laughs> fall is. Awesome. Um, and, you know, it's just, it is such a great portrait of, you know, it's not even a portrait of somebody sort of becoming 
bad or becoming a villain. It corrupted. is somebody coming into his own while mm. being corrupted, which I think is fascinating. Um, and I just, I love, I just, I, I love everything about that. But, yeah. but when his best state is a corrupted state, that's the tragedy. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. When um, he functions the best, he is at his worst. That's right. Plus, it has that great third act where a lot of shit happens. Sure. Well, I mean, the, the whole montage, the, the, the third act where they intercut, you know, all the assassinations. Yeah. Somebody put a bullet through his eye. <laughs> and there isn't even a plaque. <laughs> that man. <laughs> that man's name was Mo Green. <laughs> he built this city. <laughs> and of course, I mean, I don't know if there's a better scene in movies than the scene in the Italian restaurant yeah. with Sterling Hayden oh, yeah. where so Michael good. sits down uh, you know to discuss to broker the peace and 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 he ends up shooting Sterling Sterling Hayden in the eye uh we need to in talk the throat. Ital- in the throat yeah. right oh, we yeah. need to t- talk Italian now yeah. um no, it's a perfect ahead. moment well the what's so great about that is that the first version of that scene was the first scene they shot and showed the studio and the studio said this isn't working we got to fire this guy and we got to get someone else. And I think it was uh, over a weekend, Coppola fired his first AD and someone else and to just screw up the studio's yeah, plot because yeah. they couldn't couldn't get rid of everybody. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, and so that allowed him to come back and redo that scene. And uh, after that, everything was fine. Well. It's yeah, a well, very Godfather move. Well, it's yeah, totally a yeah. Godfather move. That's what I mean. I'm saying. They were trying to, yeah. I mean, they were. He was way behind, and they were yeah. trying to fire him and 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 make a change. I mean, the only reason he got hired was because he was Italian, right? And they were afraid of uh, hiring afraid of blowback. Yeah. yeah, by not hiring an Italian to do this story, and uh, because you know the old story was like you know all the mob movies were like Kirk Douglas or Jew, a Jewish right. guy and then stuff, and they wanted an authentic. You know, as he as as Coppola said. They, you know, we wanted you to be able to smell the spaghetti, <laughs> right? You know, and um, it's really a remarkable. And there's a great book called The Godfather Notes or something, or Coppola's Notebook. Oh, the, God, the Godfather Notebook, yeah. Godfather yeah. Where, where it's him, it's his notes uh, and marking up the book the yeah. on how it's great, and it's a textbook and how to adapt um, Written, uh, IP, yeah. you know, to the screen. I mean, it's just brilliant, and all his notes and uh, the the way he approached it and the thoroughness and. Uh, the meticulousness uh, in adapting that material and very thorough. Thorough. And I think as a footnote, I'm pr- I believe George Lucas worked on the he Godfather. Did. He a little did. He did second unit uh, yeah. directing in the hospital sequence. Uh, I think a little bit on the hospital, but also the cutaways to the newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas did those, I think. Which is also a remarkable. Um, it was people it was die? <laughs> it was Lucas who. <laughs> It was Lucas who helped figure out how to deal with the tension in the hospital scene Mm -hmm. when they're waiting for the assassins to show up because Coppola hadn't shot enough stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was Lucas that went in and got all the trims of the Mm -hmm. ends of shots showing no one in the the hospital Mm -hmm. and adding those to that sequence to build up the tension. That's brilliant. And and look at that scene. It's magnificent. It's great. You know, I mean, it's just the suspense. Yep. It's a real pressure cook. You know they're coming to to, to, to uh, assassinate him. Yep. And uh, it's just brilliantly, brilliantly I am done. Enzo, the baker. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when when, when Michael <laughs> puts up his collar and yeah. tells him to yeah. put his hands in his yeah. pockets. I mean, uh, and is there a more quotable movie in, in cinema history? I mean, how yeah, many? Godfather 2. <laughs> and I, I don't I put me in a position where I'm refuse. knocking Godfather 2 I love Godfather 2 I know you, sh- yeah. you shouldn't knock Godfather 2 I'm not I'm not believe me I'm I not so it. so that's Thursday is the Godfather so Friday so Friday is Godfather 2 what else are we thankful <laughs> for Friday, um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do what we did last year, which is uh, sort of open it to our audience yeah. to share their own thoughts about movies they're thankful for. What does Twitter think the the what most thankful think? movie is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find the out, won't we? I uh, hope so. The social network. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Facebook is most happy That's for. Funny. I don't know if Twitter. They've yet, Dave Fincher hasn't done a sequel about the birth of Twitter yet. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, well, you can only shoot it like 140 frames at a time. Oh, I see, I see what you did there. Yeah. Nice. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. But, I mean, I think this is something we could be doing for a long time because I think there's so many movies. 
Absolutely. that we're all grateful well, for. Obviously, what a great week. For who we are, we are grateful for so many movies. Yes, oh, we are. Yes, because indeed. we enjoy them so much, and they are such a part of our life. Well, so it's really hard to pick one. So much joy over the years. And I they've think... given us our vocation. Mm-hmm. And that's sure. true. <laughs> that's true. This is also true. Um, you know, I mean, we all came out here for the same reason. Right. To make movies and, and television. It's what brought us all together as, as fans of the mediums and, yeah. and, and this content. And, you know, after all these years, we're still friends. Go figure. In spite of everything. There was the um, <laughs> that article. I don't know if you read it in The Hollywood Reporter. It talks about how, um, oh, uh, in a, a cyclical business like this, people don't have good friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Nonsense. I found that to be the biggest pile of bullshit. I think it's just people that work for The Hollywood Reporter yeah. don't have any friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I prefer to hang out with the kids from Variety, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> so um, I just I thought it was ridiculous because I think, you know, uh, you know, so so my my best friends, you so know, my best life, friends are movie people. Are, are people <laughs> I met, you know, out here in L.A. in the in the, in the business. Yeah. Sort of a lazy stereotype, trying to well, imply that you know Hollywood people are shallow and that the transitory nature of working on movies and television, you come together and then go apart. But I, I find that coming together, you you get to, you get to meet a lot of people, different over people, the years, right? And the ones. And you really, some of them you really connect with. You're not stuck being right. friends with the same people at the law firm for 40 years. That's right. to- exactly, which isn't a real friendship anyway. It's like yeah. you're stuck in the same boat. Right. And, and who wants to be friends with actors for 40 years? So, I mean, kidding, I joke, I joke. But, uh, but the, the, the thing is, is, is um, yeah, it's, it, you meet so many people. So you're learning so many people's different stories and, and different personalities. And I mean, it's a gift. It's a gift that and we the have. The great been thing given. is because it is the circus life and you're going back and forth between jobs so often, you get to choose who you be That's friends right, yes. with. And who with, you stay friends and with. And who you stay friends with. That's right. As Absolutely. opposed to being in the same office day to day. That, that is true. And I, it's funny because um, at the beginning of uh, my introduction in the 50 year mission, which is coming on paperback next month, by the way. Uh, my oral history of Star Trek on sale now. Uh, I just want to say that you know, my I had a quote from Nick Meyer, which is true. He says, "What other business do you get to shake hands with your dreams?" Hmm. You know, and it's like, or I, I think that's the quote, something like that. But the idea or maybe it was shake hands with your germs. But, but, you don't but, know. But, but, <laughs> but, but the, the 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 idea is, I mean. I mean, you've met George Lucas. You've written for George Lucas. You know, you've worked with James Cameron. You know, I mean, I've worked with Bill Shatner and 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 uh, you know Sharon Stone and 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 uh, uh, you know you've worked with I mean Kenneth Branagh and 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 all these amazing people. It's like, but I have to tell you something. So in the land of you just don't make friends; they don't last a long time. It's 2019, um, and I think it was it was nearly exactly. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, um, that uh, I was paid for the first time as a professional writer. And I will tell you who wrote the check. It was this guy. It was Mark Altman, uh, who like made me a professional writer. I mean, we've known each other for twenty years. If I give him the yarn, can he make me one too? (laughs) (laughs) Why, yes. Yeah, here's a dollar, kid. (laughs) And and, and acting of incredible narcissism, I made a movie about my freaking Hollywood friendships. You know, uh, with Free Enterprise. And um, ironically, you made it also about your imaginary friendships that became a real friendship. Oh um, yeah, with Bill. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Who you're going to see in, uh, you know, in Thanksgiving weekend in uh, Ticonderoga, which it's is uh, uh, making all, turkeys together. It's all linked. It's all one. But big who's making the sweet potatoes? <laughs> you don't want to know. Who's making the pumpkin pie? Pumpkin pie. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's look. This is this is always a fun show to do. The uh, the things we're thankful for. But there's so much to be thankful, you know, for. We got our health. <laughs> we, you know, and and we have this wonderful, beautiful studio. We've got each other, and we got this this Fakakta show that we do, <laughs> and uh, we've now got ceramic cups to pour our drinks into. We, that's <laughs> most of all, and we have an audience that actually has some fleeting interest in what we have to say. So, as opposed to the waiters and waitresses at uh, some gin joints around the world. Um, so, anyway. I, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you for being a part of 430 Movie, for being friends. Um, should I, we go I down the line enough. and t- and We should do that. Um, we'll start with Steve Melching on Monday. Oh, the movie <laughs> I, I'm thankful for is uh, Peter Jackson's Fellowship of the Ring. And what are you thankful for, Steve, on this Thanksgiving? 
besides oh Fellowship of the Ring? Uh, I'm just thankful to uh, still be able to uh, make a living doing what I always dreamed about doing since I was a little kid. That's great. Darren, Tuesday. Tuesday is uh, Nick Castle's The Boy Who Could Fly. And the Boy Cried Wolf. I also am grateful, the same thing, for being able to still make a living in this in this crazy business that we call show. Um, um, but you know, I've been I've been at it for thirty one years, and I'm constantly uh, grateful that I can still uh, do it and still get work and still have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pick for Wednesday is RoboCop, uh, and I am thankful that I have three beautiful boys who are learning to love things of their very own for their very own reasons. I think that's just amazing. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Well, I want to I want to ask um I want to ask uh, Bill and Natalie what they Wait, 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 wait. Wait, what's the You're not Thursday? getting out of this. Oh, Thursday. You got to name yours and what you're <laughs> thankful for. The the Bahambug. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm thankful for, uh, obviously, thankful for uh, Francis Ford Coppola is the godfather. Right. And um, just, I have to echo the sentiments you expressed for uh, this wonderful profession of ours that we, we get to ply our trade that I think we all dreamed about as kids and get to do it every day or almost, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like every day these days. Um, and, of course, a wonderful family and uh uh, that, as you say, forges their own way in terms of their so, sharing some of the same obsessions and then other obsessions that we don't share, which is which is great because it's introduced me to things like Harry Potter I don't really like. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, there's nothing wrong with Harry Potter. It's just not my thing. Captain so, Underpants would not be in my life if it weren't for my <laughs> Um But no, it's we're, we're you know knock on wood we're all very very lucky to get to do what we love. I think I think you know that's what helps keep us young and keeps people happy. So that's a that's a good thing. Uh, but I want to ask Bill and Natalie uh, movies you're great you're thankful for on this Thanksgiving week. Uh, Bill. Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna plug the newly renamed international feature film. Uh, which I'm a committee member, which I'm thankful for, which would be Life is Beautiful. Life is oh, Beautiful. Life is beautiful. With uh, Roberto Benini. Uh, great choice. Roberto Boy, Benini. you, uh, you know, the feel good Holocaust movie of the year. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, Natalie, what about you? Oh, okay. The Departed. The Departed, Martin Scorsese. So there you have it, guys. Thank you. Um, thank you for joining us for 430 Movie. And if you're a fan of the podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts, like Inglorious Trexperts every Saturday, The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday, and Best Movies Never Made every Monday. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And we are. I think we can all agree that we're very thankful to Bill Ritter every week who uh, makes the sound so good and uh, is that back there behind the board uh, making these podcasts possible. Our producer, Natalie Mascali, who has been a fantastic champion of the show from day one and always keeps us honest. And, of course, Dean Devlin, uh, who is our patron, patron saint, who got behind these podcasts early and just saw something magical in them and has really um, uh, uh, just, you know, really gotten behind them and we're so grateful to him for his support and we're thankful for you listening right now yes we are you too boots (laughs) (laughs) so uh thank you all for uh for joining us and we wish you a very 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 happy thanksgiving wherever you're celebrating whatever planes trains and automobiles (laughs) you're taking whatever movies you're watching and we'll see you next week with an all-new theme week on the 430 movie Eyewitness News starts now, followed by a Thanksgiving special, The Wizard of Oz, followed by (laughs) King Kong on Channel 9. This episode is brought to you by Tashi Station. For all your power converter needs, ask for Fixer. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.